Hey, this is Eric Morgan, host of Christian Talk Radio, broadcasting live each week on Thursday nights from 8 to 9 p.m. Central Standard Time from Fishbowl Studios. So log in to hear a Christian perspective to everyday issues. So be sure to log on each week on Thursday nights from 8 to 9 p.m. Central Standard Time. Catch my show, myself, Eric Morgan, host of Christian Talk Radio. Come on, jump in. Good evening, good evening. My name is Mr. Eric Morgan. I'm with Christian Talk Radio uh, Network. We invite you to share this evening with us. We have a fantastic uh, show tonight. We have a special guest. David will be joining us. But before we go into that, I want to tell you a little bit about ourselves. Uh, Myself, I'm with Inspiring Higher Purpose Ministries, and it's located at 4912 Lancaster, our senior pastor is Patrick Bishop Patrick Gratz. His lovely wife is the Apostle Jeanette Gratz. And we have Sunday school every Sunday from 9 a.m. to 9.45 a.m. And I invite you to join us for Sunday school. And shortly after 10.15, we have our church live. Uh, we want you to join us until God says something different. Amen. We have our Wednesday via Facebook going through the Bible with our one and only Apostle Jeanette Gratz. She has a d- lot of different uh, guests to help her with that. Along with the Holy Spirit, we want to invite you to join her as she goes through the Bible. We have a weekly drive through food pantry every week, and we want you to come and participate as we uh, sow seeds of food back into the community. And that number is 817-2225-5554. And that is Apostle Jeanette Gratz's number. And you can reach our bishop at 817-210-8728. That is Bishop Gratz's uh, number. We are a listener-supported radio station. We accept uh, donations and love gifts to advance God's kingdom. And if you would like to or choose or desire to sow a seed, you can do that with Zale. 682-222-5889. Again, if you would like to sow a seed to help advance the God's kingdom with Christian Talk Radio, you can do that with Zale. 682-222-5889. Now, moving forward, we have a special guest here, David, which is I want to say is my friend. He's a director, an educator, a pioneer, a man of God, and a counselor. And I want to turn the mic over to David. David, what would you like to say to our listeners? Where's that man you were talking about? <laughs> <laughs> like that's so flat, flattering. Uh, I don't, I don't, I don't. Well, man of God, I, I mean, yeah, I don't, I'm not sure. I, I do my best, but then, yeah. Mm-hmm. Thank you, thank you for the compliment. Mm-hmm. We're going to go into prayer, dear Father. We thank you tonight for your seed that you're sowing in the hearts of your listeners, in your people, Lord God. We ask you to bless the message tonight, the word, the information, the advice, Lord God, as he opens up his heart and shares with your listeners, Father God. We thank you tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 David, what topic would you like to discuss with the listeners tonight? Do you have one? Yeah, uh, there are a a lot. uh, Though... My background, uh, the, the work that I did in the past, it involved education, mm-hmm. um, 
especially with children. But then also later on, I uh, got my um, uh, license in substance abuse counseling. So I, in the past, I, I work with uh, patients with substance abuse as well as patients with uh, mental health issues. And I myself, from childhood, uh, I had a rough childhood and I suffer from anxiety, depression, low self-esteem, uh, having dread for the future, uh, always uh, doing what if. And those are the things that I was able to identify with my patient and help them to recover from that so that they can live with more peace and joy in the Lord. So that's something that I would like to share. Hey Amen. I think that's an awesome topic and you being so transparent about it. Some people uh, don't, they keep it suppressed. How did you overcome that, David? Well, I'm still in the process. <laughs> I'm right. making some headways. Um, one of the the, what's difficult about uh, Oprah Winfrey says this. Uh, she herself, uh, I believe, is a sexual abuse survivor. She has this saying, uh, uh, it's not what's wrong with you, but it's what happened to you. Mm -hmm. Now, a lot of people, when, when people have uh, mental health issues, such as anxiety, depression, or substance issue, uh, typically people think you just, you know, get over it. Uh, mm -hmm. You just do it, uh, do the right thing. Uh, pull yourself up by the, by the bootstrap and overcome that. But it's not that easy. Mm -hmm. uh, and Oprah Winfrey, when she says, what happened to you really makes a lot of difference. Uh, People need to be aware of that okay. uh, because uh, in cognitive therapy, uh, not to get too technical, but there is this powerful, very profound model in cognitive therapy called ABC model. And what A stands for is activating event. And A, the activating event will lead to B. B stands for belief. And B will lead to C, which is the consequence. So what happens with people with substance abuse or, or depression, anxiety issue is when something very negative happened to them in their early life, that is the activating event. This is what people do. Every human being, it's in our nature to put meaning into event. Mm -hmm. Even as a child, we may not do it consciously, but that's a human nature. Like, why did this happen to me? And what does this mean? And what does this say about me? That is something we all of us do at one level or another. So if you have uh, negative events that happen to you, whether it's abuse, neglect, abandonment, uh, or trauma, whether it's sexual or other trauma, 
you're gonna come out of it with a belief, some kind of negative belief. And the most common belief is the child or the teen teenager will will go, I'm not valuable. Mm -hmm. I'm and a lot of my patients, they just this is like so common, it's almost like there's a conspiracy going on. My patient says I, I felt worthless. Worthless, low self esteem. Yes. Uh, and once you say I'm not valuable or I'm not valued by my family, I'm not valued by my parents, I'm not valued by others, here comes the difficult, life becomes very, 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 very difficult for you. Mm -hmm. Just imagine a child who says I'm not valuable, right? How There's nothing more that can be devastating right. than that. But this arise it it rose out of uh, the negative events mm -hmm. right the negative events mm -hmm. and that leads the child once the child have that kind of negative belief regarding the self value mm -hmm. then once you say i'm worthless then it's that's going to have a huge consequence that's what follows the c is the consequence it's mm -hmm. going to lead to consequences mm -hmm. because People who do drug, you know, the common question they ask is that why do I make bad choices, mm -hmm. right? Whether they do alcohol or drug, that's the key question. Why do I make bad choices? Well, what drives that is once you believe you are worthless, mm -hmm. right? That is not something you can live your your life with that kind of belief so you must do something about it right mm -hmm. number one human nature number one thing about human being is our self-preservation to protect ourselves from mm. pain right? okay okay nothing will be more painful than once you believe I'm worthless right mm -hmm. so you say that and your brain is going to then take actions to address that because your brain is a good soldier. Once you give a command, okay, this is too painful, I cannot deal with this, your brain is then going to come out with ways to deal with that. And what's going to happen when, once you say I'm worthless is where are you going to feel valuable, right? What are you going to do to feel valuable? Because to feel valuable, it can only come from two places. Either it's going to come from outside or it's going to come from within. Mm -hmm. So since it's not coming from within, the only place left to feel value is from outside. So what are you going to do? You're going to do things for other people to get them to approve you. Mm -hmm. You're going to do things for other people for them to validate you. Mm -hmm. So there, here comes codependency. Okay. And you depend on people to make you feel valuable, but guess what? In, in this world, that can never happen. Okay. <laughs> that can never happen. Your value has to come from inside, especially from what God says. But if you chase this madness, you don't realize this is madness, but you keep on depending on people, right? Mm -hmm. What are you going to do? What, what's going to happen? There will be one disappointment after another, one disappointment after another, because people are 
frail, mortal, limited human being, they cannot give you what you're looking for. Mm. And when, you, when they have that continuing frustration and emptiness, then they're going to reach out for the alcohol or the drug to get some relief from that emptiness inside, that pain, that chaos, that turmoil inside. That's where what's going to lead to doing alcohol, all drug, all being sexually promiscuous in order to feel valuable. Those are the result. And those things are simply smoke. If you walk into a house and if you see smoke, smoke is not the problem. Mm -hmm. It's the fire that's causing the smoke that's the problem. Mm -hmm. But so many people focus on behavior uh, over the, the symptoms. Uh, and the, the real problem is that once you lose your sense of a value, your worth, because of horrible things that happen to you, that's the key. That is really amazing. David, I want to ask you, clinically, uh, when you have the opportunity to diagnose these individuals, is this a case by case or it is just statistical? I mean, the psychiatrist would do the official diagnose, right? Okay. But as a, as a counselor and a therapist, my job then would be to help them to recover, right? Okay. Uh, but I, in my, in my uh, past years spent in doing this, which is about 20 years of working with substance abuse patients as well as mental health patients, this is the common thread. This is the common problem that causes everything else. Mm -hmm. So, for example, like mental health, uh, people who have depression or anxiety, they think, a lot of them think taking medicine will fix it, but that's not true. I what mean, does it do? Stabilize them? Stabilize them, right? right. It, what's, it, what are some of the medicines? Thorazine and uh, uh, Xanax? And what are some of the other medications that Yeah, yeah, the, what the psychiatrist would prescribe to you. But even the, the, the psychology, I mean, they, they would admit you need both the medicine mm -hmm. and cognitive therapy changing your thinking, changing your belief f for the, the ultimate final answer. But because we are Americans and we are into so much science, <laughs> we are into quick fix, simple fix, and people think taking medicine is going to fix their problem. No, I mean, if your case is mild, it may stabilize you. That's what it, it's a mood swing kind of thing, right? It, it will stabilize you. Mm -hmm. It's like you go to emergency, right? Once you come out, then you gotta work on what you've been doing that caused you these problems, right? Whether it's eating like too much cholesterol, not, not exercising, uh -huh. you know, stop smoking. So the medicine is designed to stabilize you, mm -hmm. right? So that now you can get back to full recovery because if you believe I am worthless, Mm -hmm. There is no medicine in the world that's going to change your belief. That's not what medicine do. Right. If you believe I'm worthless, I must receive other people's approval. If you think like that, mm -hmm. 
No medicine is going to change your belief, right? Okay. Yeah, so the medicine is designed to stabilize you, but people think, you know, typical modern American way, they think this is actually the fix. It's not. You, the, the, so, the, the, to change on the model of ABC, to change the consequence, right? Okay. To change the negative, the, the consequences, what leads to the C is B. The B is the belief. Mm -hmm. If you do not change your belief, there is no way you can change the consequence in a major way. Okay. Let me ask you this. Now, when you uh, encounter these different individuals with uh, the uh, emotional and psychological abnormalities, is it always that you address them from a clinical point of view or do you address it from a biblical point of view, you being a Christian. How do you integrate that? Uh, because if you work for any kind of organization or agency, they frown upon you. Integrating the Bible. Yeah, by, like religion, right? Yeah, like, because, yeah. I, and I've seen it. I've seen counselors who are really, they they are religious in mm -hmm. a negative way <laughs> and that does a lot of damage and i don't blame the agency for frowning upon that can confuse because, them. because there are so many different type of religion out, out there and some people are very very dogmatic mm -hmm. and they are very rigid uh i even you know there was even a doctor at a certain agency she would be like preaching to the patients in a condemning way uh -huh. so Unfortunately, just like anything out there, religion, it, it can be negative because the number one enemy of mental health is pressure. Okay. Okay? Explain that to us, David. Pressure. What? The number Pressure from where? From a, from a sibling? From a parent? From the event? Every, everywhere. Okay. Especially the pressure to be good enough. Okay. That's the key word. Acceptance. Yes. The, and that is, in reality, the needing to be accepted, needing to be uh, validated, it comes out in the, in the real world in terms of the sentence, I, ne I need to be good enough. I need to be good enough, right? Because if you are worthless, right? Yeah. That's what's gonna cause you, that's what's gonna drive you in every aspect of your life. I need to be good enough because if I'm not good enough, I'm, I'm worthless and that is one thing human mind, human soul, human spirit cannot handle, right? So this, this need, the drive to be good enough, this is why what they end up doing is, they, you know the, the term uh, golden rule, right? Uh-huh. They use, they live their life, my patients typically, they're like so good at being kind and compassionate to other people uh -huh. when they are not to themselves. Explain that to us. <laughs> That's the I I irony of it, okay? Uh -huh. You ask them what is your strength, right? right. My patients, right. Because we do uh, inventory, right? And okay. they say, okay, I'm kind, I'm compassionate. And I ask them, are you good at loving yourself? Answer is no. Are you good at being gentle to yourself? The answer is no. Why? Because they feel worthless. 
Okay. Okay. This is how it turns out in in real life. This is the poison that kills every healthy cell in person's body, soul, and mind. Once you believe I'm worthless, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Imagine a a person who says. I'm not good at loving myself, right? Mm-hmm. You can tell h- how their life is going to be if you're okay. not good at loving yourself. If you're not good at being gentle to yourself, you know what kind of trouble they, they will have. So this drive to be good enough, right? Mm-hmm. That's the pressure. Mm-hmm. The pressure, okay? And what happens to things when you put pressure on them? You know, we actually have this term in the real world we say oh he cracked under the pressure right Mm -hmm. we use that term he cracked under the pressure Mm -hmm. what happens to human psyche and the mind and and the the heart and emotions when they're under pressure they crack Mm -hmm. which is what leads to mental health issues Mm -hmm. of anxiety depression Mm -hmm. so pressure is the number one enemy and what church a lot of church does unfortunately now i'm a i'm a non-denomination christian okay Amen. so when i Amen. talk about church i'm doing it in love okay i Amen. mean I, I believe i mean the blood of christ okay i die you know for the blood of christ so i'm doing i'm saying this as a patriot a lot of church because i visited a number of churches right looking for a good church right a lot of churches are good at putting pressure on the congregation. Okay. They are good at making you feel guilty. A lot of them, okay? I'm not saying all of them, right? Okay. But a lot of them, <laughs> you know, 70, 80% perhaps, right? You, you, you I mean, you, you know, uh, you can, you can kind of sense it because the, the preaching is about because what the preaching should be about is us celebrating what Christ has done, right? Absolutely. That's Absolutely. what the worship is about. It's about what Christ has done. But a lot of the church, the, the preaching is about, oh, you need to do this, you need to do this, you, 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 you cannot do this, you, sh- you do, don't do this, you know, and then the write the check for the offering and, <laughs> and then those kind of things, right? So... That the church itself put a lot of pressure on people to do things, right? Achieve things, right? Mm-hmm. Do the good deeds, mm-hmm. right? And so church, a lot of time, is actually part of the problem. Okay. Unfortunately. And this is a tragedy. Because if church just stopped doing that, and if church just talked about what Christ has done for us, right? Even though we are weak, even though we are flawed, like if church just talk about what Christ has done and who He is, and, and give us that encouragement, that nurturing, they would, they, the, the my patients would really benefit from that. But unfortunately, the reality is, I don't know. Uh, maybe the the way of the world has infiltrated into the church too, and even. Apostle Paul talked about there are false apostles among us, okay? There are false brothers among us. There are spies among us trying to take away our freedom. Apostle Paul actually talked about that. And the dark side is cunning. So the dark side can maybe is using that. And I would not be surprised if that's what, what's happening. But church, because they don't understand therapy, 
right? They don't. They themselves do not understand like therapy in terms of a counseling, right? Mm -hmm. Because a preacher is, you know, preacher. But the word talks about their strength in counsel. Yeah, but it's not. Has not, not the therapeutic counseling. It's not being <laughs> embraced, yeah. embraced em em by em us okay. because okay. of our limit. I mean, uh, when, uh, like here, here we are in Texas. You know the Texas mentality. Even among the Christians, we used to say, oh, spare the rod, spoil the child. Okay, that, we were saying that's from the Bible. Okay, mm -hmm. the, the, um, those of us Baptist background, you know, you know we used to say, say that term, spare the rod, spoil the child. Oh my gosh. How much damage that phrase did to people growing up? I mean, that was part of the problem of uh -huh. the abuse, physical, verbal put downs, right? What my patients went through, right? That was part of the problem. And also, the, you know, the Texas saying, oh, pull yourself out by the bootstrap, right? Uh -huh. The That's individuality. One, right? Oh, you need to make it happen yourself. You gotta make it happen. You gotta make it happen, right? Uh -huh. That pressure, uh -huh. okay? That. I mean, and yeah, and, and sociable. Yeah, it's in our culture. It, okay. It, the problem is in our culture, right? Yeah, yeah. It's not just a simple aspect, one aspect or another aspect. That our culture, right? Until recent, you know, until Oprah Winfrey talked about o abuse, you know, we were like in the dark about children being abused, right? It took us long time to even come to grasp with that, the, the abuse, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, sexual abuse, and yeah, yeah. So we have a lot of <laughs> limitations. You know, David, that's really amazing that you would be open and transparent about this. This is a Christian talk tonight. We're talking about mental health. Uh, the diagnosis, the treatment, and also uh, depression. Now, I want to ask you a question. You being a therapist, I can say that what what is the healing process, and is there a point of closure in these areas, or is it an ongoing process through life, or is or is a person born with this uh, shortcoming? Of course. Oh, thank you. Thank you. That's just excellent question. Thank you. I appreciate that. Because this is another thing patients would say, oh, like, um, oh, I, you know, I am bipolar, you know, I, I, you know, they'd say I am. In fact, one of the things we repent at, uh, at MH, you know, mental health institution is in the old days. Okay. This is how the, the, the cream of the crop, the the high-tech mental health institutions approach this thing in the old days. That's right? good, that's good. In the old days, when patients come in, our attitude was, you know, the, the MHMR, like mental health professional, our attitude was, oh, you, you, you are, you know. Diagnosing yourself. Yeah, we call them you are, right? Instead of saying you have these symptoms, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. We say you are schizophrenia, you are bipolar, right? Yeah. And because there is a video that that uh, the the staff, the professional staff get to watch about uh, the the trauma therapy, right? And this is part of that. So the the institution the professional will say okay you are right yes and because one of the first thing that i learned becoming a substance abuse counselor was was they they told me 
taught me, do not call patients addict. Okay. Now, the, the patients, they say, oh, I'm an addict, right? It's kind of like, it's kind of <coughs> common because at AA, right, you go and you say, I'm alcoholic, right? That's the whole point, like, you're supposed to confess that, right? I am alcoholic, right? And that's supposed to be the key for, for the breakthrough. So a lot of people kind of learn from that, and, they, and my patient would say, I am an addict, right? If they are using heroin or drug. But then when I learned the counseling, the, the school of counseling says, when you say I am, that means you are, it's permanent. Uh-huh. You've accepted it. Yeah, it's like saying I'm a woman, right? There is nothing I can do, but it's permanent. Yeah, it's a fact. And, and this is debil debilitating. Uh -huh. We have to have a room for hope, right? Right. So, they are, you are, so we, we, we teach the patients, you are not an addict, right? You have these, you know, issues. You have these struggles for the time being. For the time being. That's what I would say to my patients. It's a like, process. Learn to say, when you talk about your negativity in your life, just add this phrase. Do me a favor. Add this phrase. For the time being. For the time because being. Because that gives uh, room for the hope. Yes. Right? Things can get changed. And what is the number one thing we need for change is empowerment. Mm -hmm. Feeling I have the power to make a change. Right? And, and no one says it's available. Yeah. Yeah, so you have to, and in, in, in the old days, the professionals are the one who debilitated you by saying, okay, you are schizophrenia, you are bipolar, now you have to, be, what you have to do is get on disability, you're going to be on medication for the rest of your life, you cannot work, like what you, the life you know is over, that's the way we used to talk in the old days, mm -hmm. and thank God we repented from that, right, and then now, uh, because of there, there, there were mental health patients who survived that, and later they taught the professionals how to do it correctly, treat us like a human being, give us the the, the benefit of doubt to make change, right? So that trauma therapy, right? Now we embrace that trauma therapy. So now we, but. We are trying to change our language, change our thinking, right? So mm -hmm. by saying now, yeah, yeah, we talk about symptoms. This, you know, for the that's what we do now. But thank God, we are changing. But not everybody is embracing it because you know there is that some you know the old habit die hard, right? Right. So there is that's a still struggle. There are still people. So answering that question, healing, right? Healing. So mental health institutions, they don't will, they're not really good at healing. Is this, is this because of job security? Well, it's because we are clinical. Okay. Clinical is not necessarily healing <laughs> because uh -huh. this is what I believe healing requires. Healing, because like cognitive therapy, which is what, which is, you know, very commonly used therapy, cognitive therapy talks about using your rational mind to change, and it, it is important, right? You need to change your false, negative, unhealthy belief by using your rational mind, right? Uh -huh. And change your belief to healthy, reasonable uh, belief, right? So, but there's a limit to that. Okay. Because human being is not just made of intellectual. 
what are human beings made of? Is that all? We are just, the logic drives everything we do? No. Human being is made of emotions. Mm -hmm. We have a heart. We have soul. We have the spirit, right? So they know the, 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 the agency of uh, he, the agency of mental health, they know, they say the word, okay, we need to treat uh, patients holistically, which means comprehensive, including spirituality, right? Mm -hmm. But then whether it get executed correctly, that's another issue. Because clinically, the patients that I work with, they, because of their early childhood, they went through a number of therapy, right? Uh -huh. And what, one of the things they say to me is that nobody talked to me like you do. And I had many, 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 many like professional psychologists, psychiatrists, professional counselors. Nobody talked to me like you do. And what I do is from the beginning, I let them know I myself suffer from anxiety and depression. Okay. So I'm coming down to their level. Okay. But what happens a lot with professionals is that they are interested in solution, right? Because <laughs> here's the thing about self-value, right? How do you think professionals feel valuable about their work? Well, the patient has to make change, right? Absolutely. The patient has to make... The, the, their value of the work they do is tied to whether the patient is making a lot of changes or not, if right? they're effective. Right? Yeah. Their self-value is tied to that. So that's what they focus on. Once again, they focus on the smoke. Mm -hmm. when, they, when you focus on, their, on them changing behavior that you can see with your eyes, right? Mm -hmm. Then sometimes this is pressure again. That's a pressure and it's a wrong expectation. A, wrong expectation and it's like putting the wagon ahead of the horse. They mm -hmm. got it backward. Okay. They lost the primary by chasing after the secondary. Okay. So you know what happens if you put the horse behind the wagon, like it's, go it's gonna be a lot of struggle for horse to <laughs> push the wagon to get it to move, right? When it should be, horse should be in front of the wagon, pulling the wagon, that's the way it should be, right? Mm -hmm. But then if you got things backward, right? So that's what happens. So by focusing on what, what's clinical rather than because here is a very profound uh, teaching from that great book of the ages, uh, Seven Habits of uh, Highly Effective People, written by Steve, Stephen Kobe, uh, right? Mm -hmm. One of the key things in, in the 90s, everybody read that book, right? In the 90s, like <laughs> everybody read that back, anybody who, whoever is who. And Stephen Covey talks about other than basic survival of uh, of a food, water, air, right, shelter. He's, he he says this is what human beings seek after the basic survival. To be understood, number one. Mm -hmm. Number two, to be validated. And you cannot heal somebody without providing those two things by the therapist. You, you cannot heal somebody from inside out without understanding where they are coming from, understanding their struggles, right? And without 
validating them because that's where empowerment comes from. Okay. Once the human soul receives that, oh, somebody understand me, somebody is with me, this person validate me, this person knows my pain, this person knows my struggles, right? Mm -hmm. They feel validated. That plus being able to see God as loving Father and knowing once you know that God's will is for you to be happy and live with peace and joy it's not God's will is because going back to golden rule this is where this the the dark side has twisted the truth of God and turned it into a poison people think golden rule is oh do unto others as you want them done to you right mm -hmm. that's the common answer so when they say that where is the focus is it on other person or is it on me the focus is on other person the street term of the golden rule right the way it's executed out there in the street the golden rule do unto others as you want them done to you that ends up putting pressure on you to do things for other people while sacrificing yourself but the true true meaning of golden rule from the bible is love your neighbor as you love yourself so if you can if you do not if you are not good at loving yourself this is not going to be effective. This is going to be actually, you know, leads to disability. Because you, you have put the horse behind the wagon. David, let me, I have a question for you. Okay. Uh, healing, I have a definition, the process of becoming healthy again to alleviate a person's distress and anguish. Now, let me ask you a question. As a clinical therapist, where is the margin in truth and fiction? And I say that because you being a Christian, where is it as a job, as your strategy or technique for you to apply the word and allow the word to do the healing? It's a fine margin, it's a thin margin right there, and I'm just wondering where's the balance right, for you? Right, because the holistic, right, the, the whole mental health organization, that, that's what they are pushing, right, at least on the surface, holistic approach. And holistic means including spirituality. We okay. are supposed to address their spirituality. Okay. But then the way it gets executed depends on people in charge right what kind of a CEO do you have uh -huh. or a combination of right things. that can you know muddy the water you know and then and because they, they can they can be skeptical because if you if you lose control in terms of uh, using spirit people's spirituality for resource sometimes it can be it can lead to abuse depending on who's the professional in that situation. They could put their own uh, belief into the situation and that makes everybody very nervous, right? Right. So it's like, you know, we have this, this is very touchy ground, right? Right. So with me, what I do is I find out about the person. Like, okay. what is your, do you have a spiritual belief? And if they don't, 
yeah, I'm gonna work within that, uh, in that, in that boundary, right? Whatever your spirituality is, right? Whatever mm-hmm. you feel comfortable, uh, because a lot of people say they might not feel comfortable talking about spiritual things because they identify with religion and the pressure. So if that's where they are, yeah, I respect that hundred percent. But then if, if they say, oh yeah, I, I, I like my spirituality, to me it's a positive, I can use this as a resource, then okay, why not use that as a resource, right? Okay. Okay. So that's number one. You really have to respect the patient's right and their preference okay. as a professional. So if they are open to spirituality and they see it as positive, then uh, let's see how we can maximize that, right? right? Because if you think, because I asked them, like, what is God's will? Okay. And a lot of time, what do you think their answer is? They don't know. Well, they do. <laughs> it's about doing things for other people. Okay. Okay, that's the problem. Uh-huh. So their spiritual belief actually parallels what they do in reality, right? Because they are at least consistent. Okay, they're not like uh, think one thing spiritually but think differently in another way. So their spiritual belief actually it parallels how they live their life in actual in actual life. That's the thing about holistic approach. Their spirituality is connected and it's part of the whole integration of the whole being. Okay, how they live their life, yes. A lot of time they go together, they parallel each other. So, what is God's will if I, for your life? What is God's will in your life? Typically, their answer is uh, like obedience, uh, uh, be kind to others, do things for others, right? Like you, things that goes under the umbrella of earning it, earning the right to that, oh, I am earning my right to be valuable. Like, you have to earn your stripe kind of thing. It's all about earning things, right? Okay. So I asked them, okay, do you believe God is loving Father? If they say yes, okay, then I asked them, okay, why did you give birth to your child? Did you give birth to your child so that your child will do things or successful, make money, or be rich, be famous. Is that why you gave birth to your child? Why did you, what do you want most of all? What do you want to see in your child? And here comes the answer. I want them to be happy. Mm -hmm. I want them to live with love. So here comes my next question. Why why do you think God is different? What, why would you think God will not give the same answer as a loving father? So that's one of the aha moments. Mm-hmm. Because there is part of us where like, a lot of people see God not... Because definition of uh, faith is you are at an intimate relationship with, with God. That's what faith is. You are at intimate relationship. But a lot of people see God as... God up there, up on the cloud, in a, in, on his throne with the thunder and lightning, and then they kind of see him in that way. Okay. So that's one thing they need to break out of. You need to see God as a loving father, right? Okay. The way you love your children, if you love your children unconditionally, 
why would God not love you unconditionally when he sent his son and, and, he, and, and Christ's blood on the cross is covering you right now, right? Okay. So that's the number one thing. They have to see things in a dif different way. It's a paradigm shift like Stephen Kobe talked about in the book, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. He talks about paradigm shift, changing your perspective, seeing things in a brand new way, in a way, long time ago people thought Earth was flat. But then later they realized that's not true, right? That was a paradigm shift. Long time ago people thought there was no such a thing as germ. The best scientists thought there was no such a thing as germ until Louis Pasteur came along and he proved that there are things called germs, right? Okay. So that's the paradigm shift that you have to go through. Change the way you see things, change your perspective uh, from one of rigidity to that of, of love and grace and hope and peace because the will of our Father is for us to live with joy and peace the, along with by grace of Christ through cross of Christ, cross of Christ where we get the grace. Grace is unconditional gift that we receive, yes, right? It's yes, a gift. Yes. But people think you have to earn it. You have to earn your right to be valuable. You have to earn your right to be acceptable. So that's another question I ask people. What do you need to do to be, to be accepted by God? And see where they're coming from. Mm -hmm. and, but, but, but the answer is simply your trust in Christ, simply mm -hmm. your faith. It, it is supposed to be gift. It, because in fact, if you say, I earned this, yeah. in fact, you don't have His grace. Because the whole definition of grace is it has to be a gift. You did not do anything to earn it. So if you say, I earned it, actually you're not in His grace. Yeah, but that's how well, that's what's driving uh, people. The, the, the problem is trying to be good enough, trying to earn it, trying to achieve things, right? Amen. And that's the pressure mm -hmm. that keeps you away from free gift of Christ, free gift of, of love, peace, and joy. Where, God, where Christ says, Put down your burden at my feet, come right? On, come on but, now. But we are still <laughs> carrying the burden <laughs> on our shoulder, and the church a lot of time is putting another hundred pounds on our shoulder, and, and, and the professionals are not able to help you because they are limited by what's called clinical, clinician, right? They are clinician, and they need to do clinical thing uh, rather than holistic. Uh, and because... All, uh, but, but, but even in counseling, okay, cognitive therapy, right? But there is another school of thought that talks about these things Stephen Covey talked about, the, the need of human being to be understood and validated. Even in counseling, the, the one of the founding uh, father of uh, psychology, he, he talked about the number one need of people is there are number one and number two. Number two is receive um, empathy, mm -hmm. right? 
but number one was uh, Carl Rogers. Okay, Th that's the the psychologist. He's one of the founding uh, father of one of the big school of psychology, Carl Rogers, and it's it's called Roger Rogerian theory, the school of Rogerian theory, and. He talks about the importance of people needing empathy, right? But even more important than empathy, right? Even though he's known for empathy, many people think that's the number most important thing in, in Rogerian uh, uh, school, but that's not it. Actually, number one is congruence. And what congruence is, is genuineness. Why is that important? The therapist builds genuine, real relationship with the patient. Mm -hmm. That's what Carl Rogers was talking about. Okay. It's, a, it's, a, it's not about technique, what you can do. It's not about intelligence, but the therapist being genuine and letting the patient know, I'm a human being too, I struggle too, right? So they, they feel that empathy, right? Having that genuineness, that relationship between the therapist and the patient will lead to healing, will lead to empowerment. Okay. But modern psychologists, they kind of don't really, they kind of brush him off and they're not really into him. But it's the, it's a shame. Hey Amen. We are, are running out of time right now. We've uh, been with uh, Dr. Dave tonight, <laughs> our therapist uh, with the clinical ideas and systems that he's recognized that he's applied to assist us i want to invite you to join us next week at christian talk radio from eight to nine and he will be with us next week and we invite you to call in if you have any questions or comments and our call-in number is what is our call-in number remy 214 214-556-556 6239. We invite you next week, same time, same channel, to call in. If you have any questions, this is an opportunity to allow him to answer any questions that you may have about mental health, mental retardation, depression, or empathy, or the integration with the word. We thank you for listening. At this time, our show has ended. Amen. Hey, this is Eric Morgan, host of Christian Talk Radio, broadcasting live each week on Thursday nights from 8 to 9 p.m. Central Standard Time from Fishbowl Studios. So log in to hear a Christian perspective to everyday issues. So be sure to log on each week on Thursday nights from 8 to 9 p.m. Central Standard Time. Catch my show, myself, Eric Morgan, host of Christian Talk Radio. Come on, jump in. Hey, this is Dee Dee Ingram, host of the Dee Dee Ingram Show, broadcasting live each week on Tuesdays at 5 p.m. from FBRN Studios at Glove Life Park in Arlington, Texas. Log on to hear a living room conversation that we invite you to be a part of. So be sure to log on each week on Tuesdays at 5 p.m. to catch the Dee Dee Ingram Show on FishbowlRadioNetwork.com. Jump in.